Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome everyone to We Earth Radio. This is your host, Michael Stone, and I am excited to have my friend and counsel and inspiration, David Kyle, here today to speak to us about his new book, The Energy Teachings of the Three, Guidance and Practice to Open Your Heart and Heal Your Mind. This book is just out, and I'm excited to have David Kyle here from the age of seven. He's had a variety of paranormal and initiatory experiences through the years. He studied with many shamanic and gifted spiritual teachers as a professor, consultant, and writer. The shamanic traditions and learning to trust inner guidance and direction has been the underlying foundation of his life. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be with you. I really appreciate you and appreciate the opportunity to be with you now. Thanks, David. So much wasn't said in the uh, little bio I read, and I'd, I'd love it if you would just talk a little bit about the evolution of David Kyle, being that uh, you've been many things in your life and worked a lot in the corporate world, which often seems different than the, the, this, the kind of work that you're talking about in this book. So give us a little background. So in many shamanic traditions that someone who has the, what would I say, the, the scar on them to become an energy person, what some call shamans. I don't call myself a shaman per se, but I've been trained by many shamans throughout my lifetime. Both of my teachers in Peru, when they were seven years old, were hit by lightning. And in that tradition, they are marked as someone who is going to be a Paco or a spiritual teacher. At seven in my life, I had gone through previous, some challenging physical things. The notable part was that when I entered second grade, I was immediately put into what we would call today a disabled class of mentally retarded children and others of disability. I was deeply confused by that. In February of that school year, they did hearing tests. This was in 1947. And they found out that what they had taken as a mental deficiency in me is that one of my ears was almost totally deaf. And so when they found that out, they, my parents then took me to a doctor. And in 1947, the way they, they found out that there was a tumor in my inner ear. And so they would put radium up my nose back into the inner ear to either dissolve it or simply stop it from growing. Many times I had had to go through that. 
Finally, they pronounced that they had only stopped the tumor. But the, but the deafness in that year, all through my early stages of life up until then and ongoing was to turn me inward, to open that doorway inside of me. In the fall of that year, I was going by myself to Sunday school to a little church near our home. And on the pavement, and I can still see that place where it happened, suddenly everything opened up in me. It was like this vast cosmic light energy sound that immersed me. And I was there for either a moment or eternity. I didn't know which. But from that moment on, something fundamentally shifted in my life. One of the most obvious things was that whenever we played cowboys and Indians, I was always the Indian. And there are pictures of me with these garb, Indian garbs that I made. And as my life began to unfold, there was this inner push at all kinds of levels. I was at one point destined to go to Princeton to seminary. I wound up being a director of Christian education, a little church out in San Joaquin Valley of California. And the man there had gone through the charismatic experience, just as I had, just as I graduated from UC Berkeley. And we just begin to open up. And the end of that was some miraculous things that happened to our life. Probably the most astounding to us was one day we, Cliff, the minister, was speaking at a Christian Businessman's Association in Los Gatos, California. And we had visited his mother in Oakland, and we were crossing the Bay Bridge. At that time, there were two ways. It wasn't at different levels where you didn't see the other cars. We were singing, opening, and it was raining cats and dogs. And at one point then, we suddenly saw this light, this car light coming straight at us, coming over the line directly toward us. And we just looked. And the next moment, we were, we were in the car in front of the restaurant in Los Gatos. It wasn't raining. And our windshield wipers were going back and forth. And that was just one of many kinds of wow. miraculous experiences that we went through. And that set the tone for how I opened my life to a whole different kind of energy. And through all the iterations of my life into the corporate world, as you mentioned, and beyond, I was studying and would seek out teachers who would help me understand to express what this energy was that kept coming up through me. So when did you first meet the three? And tell us a little bit about where they came from and why do you think they came to you specifically? Well, I had been working with two teachers in Peru and I would go down for like three weeks at a time with one of them and then a few months later, to the other teacher. And they were very different in their approaches. And it was very 
significant in what it was doing in my life. With this particular teacher, he had been initiating me in different sacred sites throughout Peru. We travel, would travel many areas to go and fundamentally he would initiate me, opening the energy factors inside of me to open my scene, open my understanding of things outside of the normal domain of experience. And so for three weeks, we've been doing this. And finally, he said this one day, it was toward the end of my time with him. He said, we're going to go into this valley and we're going to the space-time cave. Okay, you know, it was going to be another initiation. And so we drive into the heart of the valley and it's like a V in those great Andean mountains. And you look up to one side and you see way far up this triangle of a cave. And you then begin to walk on these stones that anthropologists said this cave area has been in occupation for at least 10,000 years. So it predates Inca and all kinds of other traditions. We get up to the cave and in front, there's a big rock formation there. So you have to go around to the side to get into the cave. And when you come around the backside of that huge rock is the engraved into that stone, three seats. And in the middle was a, a bigger seat, which my teacher called the throne. And it looked like somebody had taken a laser and cut it out. It was so smooth and precise. And he said, I want you to, to sit in, in the throne here and I'm going to uh, do the initiation. And like he always did, uh, he spritz me with Florida water, which is used in the Andes as a way of clearing the body. And so he spritzed me again in the uh, abdomen, the heart and the head and put his hands on my head and spoke in Quechua as he had done so many times. And as he released his hands, there was this electric energy that came from the ground right up through my spine, up through the top of my head. And I, it, it shocked me. We, in all the initiations, this had never happened with him. My eyes were still closed and suddenly, in front of me were three elongated beings standing in front of me. And they came forward and they too touched my abdomen, my heart and my head. And they placed their hands on my head for a moment and then withdrew. And there was this energy that just shot down through the top of my head. And to say I was confused was to represent the experience. It was like discombobulating, like something had been all rearranged inside of me. And I sat there and my teacher came up because there was another student that was with us and, and, and said, I want you to go up and sit inside the cave. And I sat inside the cave and there was this incredible awareness of something larger than anything I had experienced before. 
So finally he came to me and said, you know, how are you doing? And I said, who, who were those three beings? Oh, those are the luminarians. What do you mean? Those are the ones that created this cave and that I myself, my, my teacher brought me here and initiated me here and said, now I'm no longer your teacher. They are your teachers. And he said then to me, I am no longer your teacher. They are your teachers. Mm. And there was more in the initiation there because this was the space time cave. And so there was a whole initiation, which is classically shamanic, where you're taught how to go outside of time and space and be able to see the future in the past and literally no time. And that, that was another part of this that, that occurred in that cave. But I said to my teacher after we got back from the cave, well, you're saying they're my teachers, how do I connect with them? And he said, that is for you to discover. And so, you know, I, I had had an experience uh, several years previous where I was in hypnotherapy with a therapist and this being came through me and communicated through me. And I thought, well, do I try hypnosis? I, I tried all kinds of things. And then one morning I thought, what if I just ask a question and see what happens? I'll write the question out and open myself. And suddenly this energy started moving me. Automatic writing, but there was a presence in it. And every time I now seek to connect, there is an envelope of energy that comes over me. And I know that they want to communicate with me, but they are beings who were on this planet literally hundreds of thousands of years ago. And they learned how to be in the third dimension, but how to go into the fifth dimension, and then how to go through the fifth dimension into infinity. And they described that they are, although they appear as three beings, everything is all one. And they are simply energy forms that are exploring the vastness of existence itself. And they are in this learning mode themselves, and they come out of choice to assist, particularly at this time on the planet. And they say there are many beings like ourselves who are here to work through this time where you have the opportunity in this collapse of civilization and the planet itself to actually create a new evolution of humanity. And it it demands a higher frequency energy in people because that will open gifts, that will open potentialities that you yourself, David, have experienced in the past. But these are for the transformation of the world at this time. The question is, will enough of you open up and develop your frequency so that you can actually begin to help people around you survive and thrive. Yeah. Because it's going to be very difficult times. 
And so that energy has to come forward. And so I would guess that Michael, you're one of those people as well as many others around the world right now who are feeling this opening to a different potential. Uh, and, and so their message through me was, I worked on all the practices in there for seven years. And then they said, okay, it's time for this to go out into the world. Oh, I, I, a year or so before that, I said, wow, this is wonderful. I had had a few students that they said I could give pieces to to help them. And, and it really was helping them. And I said, shouldn't this get out to the world? And they said, this is our timing. We'll tell you when it's time. And so the time came and they said, your role is simply how to get it into the world and how to maintain it and have it move out more and more into the world. These teachings, they said, is one form of the universal teachings that many, many people are bringing forward throughout the world today. Mm. This, will appear, this will appeal to some people and not others, and that's fine. This is just uh, a gift to help seed this higher frequency of energy. Yeah, beautiful. Wow, that's quite an experience. So let's get into the teachings a little bit and uh, begin maybe with the five pillars of love as the way of increasing this frequency of heart, mind and expanding uh, the power of love. I was really uh, moved by these five pillars and maybe you could uh, speak about them and share a little bit about them. Yeah, so let me just give you a flavor of the language of the three as they begin to describe it. So this is just a paragraph here. Mm -hmm. so, the five pillars of love explore the energies, frequencies, and the foundations of love in our lives. The five pillars of love explore the energy frequencies that we need to go forward in this difficult time. Remember, love is not an emotion or a feeling. Rather, it is better described as attraction, connection, merging, knowing, and ultimately presence. These five pillars are the energetic forces that open and connect you to the power, expression, creation, and manifestation of the direct knowing and experience of the nature of love within you and within all things. These five energy forms or frequencies with their practices are what every spiritual tradition teaches. So the five pillars uh, are interesting. We, in some sense, we've all heard these as part of love's expression. So the first one is appreciation, but what they describe about this is that what appreciation does is change the focal length of your perception. It changes and charges your energetic field. One is able to see more deeply into a person or thing through the expression of speaking one's awareness and goodness as one sees to all things. So, you know, you see a cat stretching 
And that appreciation changes the focal length of your expression and connection into the world. Hmm. The thing of compassion. Well, I just wanted to ask you a question about, about that, if, if it's okay. Um, I'm really interested, this changing of the focal length of perception reminds me of Rilke's in-seeing, that kind of depth. But one of the things you talked about was how judgment keeps us from seeing and being with each other and connecting with each other in that. And how does that relate to appreciation and being able to uh, deepen our appreciation for others and for ourselves? Yeah, there's, there's a theme that goes throughout all these teachings here that judgment is the thing that collapses back into what they call the tapestry of our life. They're, they're saying the tapestry is ultimately that which has been projected on us through parents and culture and school and all this, and what we project on ourselves and onto other people. And this, it's a tapestry of all these multiple projections that we, we have that collapses us. So uh, they say, you, you would call this the ego structure. This is the false self. This is what we've uh, created around ourselves that causes our perception to be narrow and unavailable to the true scene that is out there. So the practice of appreciation breaks through that self-judgment, projected judgment, the, the tapestry of the ego structure in which we are so tied up in ourselves that we cannot see the true nature of that cat, the true nature of that tree, of that child, of Michael sitting there opposite to me. If I can't appreciate as an energetic force in my life, life because judgment says well michael you look awfully you know uh with gray hair and everything there can i really trust you uh, anything that comes up in our minds call causes this uh, perception to shut down in it so judgment is the key thing that shuts down our ability to perceive reality as it is and when you have that breakthrough, you know, I, I would, they would give me one pillar at a time. And I would sometimes have to work months on just one pillar before they would give me another pillar. And what I realized after years of doing this is that until I would break through some level of judgment in me, it was just an exercise, just a practice. And they'd keep saying, it's okay, just let the practice keep working within you. What I said to you earlier is that the practice is oilless to that quality of love within our, our, our life. It begins to oil us so that we can begin to open more and more and more to see things as they actually are. So yeah. that why I described that seven-year-old experience is that something radical begins to break into us. They're saying anyone that just will take on these practices, that will begin to open in them as well. Or any other set of practices 
that will help you do that is what they're encouraging. Yeah, beautiful. When I think of judgment, we're kind of, it's very natural to be judging everything and everyone around us. It seems like the antidote or the transcendence comes from just the awareness rather than the trying to stop something. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, one of the practices in appreciation is you see something and you speak it. You say, oh, Michael, I can feel in you this deep concern and desire to help people. Now, I may not have a lot of feeling or a lot of emotion in that. It's irrelevant. It is that choice to begin to shift outward. The next part of the practice is you do that for a while, just whatever you see, you speak it out. I go, I go out at night and I, I thank the night spirits for the presence there in the darkness. Pretty soon what begins to happen is, the, and this is the practice, is touch your heart. Because what you're doing is opening the heart energy. That's what you're doing to see all these things See, what, what the practices are doing is working with the chakra energies. Now, they've given me a lot of other practices beyond what's in here. And it's the harmonics between different chakras that you work with in order to activate new awareness, new perception, how to break through. But it all comes back to the heart and to what we call the upper heart, the, the fourth, the upper fourth right here, this chakra here that's just below the throat in between the heart and the throat. That's the doorway perception that you begin to open to. And so as they they've told me one time, these practices seem very simple. They are simple because if you do it, you will begin to activate the energy system so that your, all, your entire frequency begins to shift and move into and beyond what the normative frequency of people is on the planet right now. I just want to say to our listeners uh, that I'm speaking with Dr. David Kyle on his new book, Energy Teachings of the Three. So the second pillar then is the compassion that I guess is the opening of the awareness and allowing us to uh, raise or connect our energy. Can you say a little right. bit about that? Yeah. You know, we, they, they go through, you know, how in our, our modern experience, compassion, oh, I see that person, it separates me. I, I really feel badly about all those people dying in that place. They're saying that's okay, but Real compassion is that you begin to shift your energy to another level and you include that person, that situation, that animal, that tree, whatever it is, into that frequency of level. So it is moving our pattern of frequency into a different relationship where we are with that person. So when I meet a, a homeless person, it's not, oh, you're homeless and I feel bad and I give you some money. I may do that. They say, you know, you need to ask inside as you extend 
that energy of compassion, of inclusion, to see, am I to do something practically out here with this situation? Because you don't want to interrupt some other person's uh, karmic experience. But to hold them in this is to see, I am in that same karmic experience as you are. It's just different than what it is for you. And so what about self-compassion? That's an important aspect. Well, that's well, that's the first thing that the first practice you're dealing with is to open to that compassion for oneself. Because if you don't have compassion for oneself, there is no ability to open to in, be inclusive. So compassion for yourself is raising your own frequency to another level. So that love's presence for yourself is, is the, the game that we ultimately play. And then the next pillar is the forgiveness pillar. Maybe you can speak to that. That seems so, to flow perfectly. <laughs> so the, the, the three in the, oh, I, I might go back to say in the book, they give a teaching under each of these and then they give practices. So in the teaching, they, they say there are many forms that people use for forgiveness. Our practice for forgiveness is an energy of release and that ultimately you do not know what to forgive in yourself. And so what they say is you look at what the things in your life right now, you feel, oh gosh, how I treated that person, I feel, uh, you know, I feel crummy about, or that person, I'm still really angry at them. They say, just bring whatever those are to your heart and feel the heart energy get stronger and stronger. And then at some point you will know, bring that energy up through the throat, the forehead, the top of the head and hold it at the top head crown chakra and let that energy just go out into infinity. And as it's in infinity, you will know something has shifted when there's a sense of peace that just floods over you and you come back down into your heart. One of the things I'm thinking of is a lot of people that I work with are carrying a lot of resentments. How, how would they say working with resentments to do that? You just bring whatever the resentment is to the heart. Yeah. You know, we don't know ultimately where and how that forgiveness can actually be released because it's forgiveness is the energy of releasing that tapestry. See, that resentment is just one thread of the tapestry that makes up what we would call our ego structure. The whole intent of these practices are to release that tapestry. And throughout our day in our life, we have opportunities where these threads of projections come up. And so all I can do is bring that thread of projection, resentment to my heart, let it warm in there, bring it up and let it go out. Now, I don't know 
how to forgive resentment in my head. I, I don't know, see. They're saying it's it's the tapestry is so complex in you because it's not only this lifetime, but many lifetimes you're bringing into here to release this at this time. The great opportunity of what we're going through with the collapse of culture, with the collapse of the environment, with the collapse of our our, our culture and our families is that it's it's opening up and breaking apart the fabric fabric of the of the tapestry that has held all of us into this tightness where we don't see truth, where we don't see life, where we don't see existence as it actually is. So they're saying, you ultimately don't know, you don't need to know, just offer it up through and out. Now, they say you may need to do that a number of times until the peace comes. Just keep, you know, if, if that resentment is really strong, you just keep bringing it in. I had angers of all kinds of situations from my past that I just spent months on this practice until finally there was this kind of incredible release that opened me to feel, oh, something has fundamentally been removed from inside of me. I didn't do it. I just practiced that process until there was that peace that literally passed all understanding. Now, I still get things, you know, resentments or angers, and I just bring them there and release them and let them go. And sometimes I have to repeat that. So then the fourth pillar then is kindness, right? And, and how does that open the quality of insight and take us beyond the kind of agreement reality into what you're calling or they're calling true reality? Well, what they mean by insight is that one experiences that there is no difference between me and the other, another person, an animal. And the, what the kindness does is an energy practice that begins to expand the heart energy itself. And in that expansion, I begin to realize that I'm in a unified field with all things. And it's not that I just think it, but that I start to experience it. Now, each of these practices go from simple to, I'm not going to say complex, but sophisticated. And so as you practice this in, in the area of kindness, it brings an immense kind of expansion of one's field of energy so that you feel energy all the time. And in that energy, there's always a kind of blessing now that's a strange word, but it's like, I see you and my heart feeling toward you is a sense of 
a kindness as that you are who you are. You are a being that is beautiful and kind and caring at the depth of your being, even though you're being a shithead to me right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that negative that might come to me gets brought into that field so that I, I'm not sucked back into my own resistance or my own pain or my, my own anger or my own fight flight. There is a receptivity that lets kindness, lets this field of energy have its encompassing quality. It strikes me that in order to do that, people have to be really in their body. Um, and from someone who also spent a lot of years in the corporate world, uh, but just looking around and watching people, a lot of people are really disembodied. And, you know, I can't imagine how you could ground and, and work with the energy you're talking about without having a sense of being embodied and feeling that. Well, yeah, and that's what the energy is, see? You're feeling that energy in you. Like right now, as I'm talking with you, my hands are just intense with energy right now. And I can feel it come up through my shoulders. I can feel it come down through my legs because we're in a field of energy together right now that is encompassing of us. It's including compassion. It's including kindness. It's, it's including this appreciation quality. And so that naturally opens us up to gratitude, which is the, the fifth one. I love what they say. Gratitude is what love floats on. Gratitude is fluid and moves to any person or any situation rapidly. Gratitude slows you down to see, feel, and experience depth, clarity, understanding of any person, event, or experience. Gratitude opens you to reality as it actually is. And then they finish, gratitude is magic. Mm. That this is, at one point they say, this is the queen of all the traditions. If there is no, you know, Brother David, his whole thing on gratitude, you know, you interviewed him. Have, that yeah. gratitude is what opens everything up. They themselves say, if you only do one thing and practice it all the time, gratitude would be the one thing. So how is gratitude different than appreciation? I mean, there's, there's more of a sense of presence in gratitude, I think, than appreciation. But how, how do they differ, the first and the fifth? Well... Gratitude, see, appreciation is I'm, I'm, I'm moving from myself, this contracted place, and my perception now is opening and I'm seeing things much differently. And so it goes, wow, I didn't, that is so amazing, beautiful, whatever it is, you see. Gratitude is coming back to this place within me that I, I, I like the word they use, it slows one down. Yeah. 
slows one down. And what, what that means is when you slow down, you are able to actually feel, sense, know, go within what that, all of that, that in appreciation I'm seeing, what that encompasses. Gratitude is the presence of the mystery. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of that which is unnameable. And so I see it in appreciation. I open to it. And this then goes and takes me into the depth of it and says, I am that. I am that. I am that. And so all of the, they say at one point, all of these things, we have simply broken apart to give you a way of developing more experience of what love is in your life. And so we're saying this is the pillars of love. These are the things that love has a foundation within. And they're in every tradition because they create the foundation of what it is to learn to actually love and be love and express love. And I, what, one of the things I love about this new book, David, is the practices that you have that, that uh, are really essential to developing, as you said, you had to go sometimes months of working with maybe years, some of them, to do these. And one of the things that, of course, interrupts that is fear. And there's a lot of fear in the world right now, which maybe we can talk if we have time about that. But so the five foundation stones are the psych, and this again from the book, the work of the stones is to integrate energy and with grounding. Together they create transformation. Each stone teaches you how to release the threads of your self-created identity. Each stone reflects duality of who you really are at essence and how and what you created that is the opposite of that essence. To have self-love and self-acceptance means you created the opposite. Here it is. Shame and self-rejection. Rather than humility, you created the pretense of superiority. Rather than the inner and outer reflection, you went unconscious and created the mirror of illusion that you were something and someone that you were not. You built up reinforcing patterns of the past and future that have kept you in a prison where you resisted your freedom, your joy, your contentment, and your peace. So in the, in the teaching, they, they expand on that. But fundamentally, they get into a, a how the projections actually work in us and keep us ungrounded, actually, out of the context of what our reality should actually be. And so they're saying that the pillars increase the frequency of energy of love. The stones help ground that so that as we are here in this world, in this dimension, in this 
environment where things are breaking apart, you can be at ease in yourself. And how we do that is breaking these threads of this ego tapestry that we've created around ourselves as an illusion. So people who are consistently angry have created that to protect themselves. Those that operate like so many of us in a sense of shame and trying to please and make it okay with people, same thing. It's just different mirrors of that which keep us from the truth of ourselves. So the first stone is self-love. And it's both a psychological condition and a spiritual awareness of what it is to love oneself. And the practices are all about uh, that fundamentally, I am this whole thing out here. I'm, as I love the world, as I, I, I'm actually loving myself. The second one is humility. This, for me, is one of the most powerful ones. In the teachings, they go through humility as, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do that right. I'm, I, I, you know, you're praising me, but, you know, uh, God did it, I didn't do it. And you know how we go through that kind of thread. What they're saying is that when you look at people who are truly humble, there's a strength power, a presence in them. And that why that's happening is that they have become what they call where energy, love, and all the characteristics of, of love simply are flowing through me. And it's that you don't have one hollow reed but the life is expanding where you become more capable of letting more move through you. So, Michael, you and I and many other people have become past masters at doing and pressure and getting things right, you know, and we, we get exhausted over that and, and it just, it drives us. True humility is where flow is happening through our life. And over the last three or four years, that flow has started to happen for me. Sometimes it's very strong, other times it's not as strong, but the sense of flow of this energy that is me, that moves through me, is what opens life up. And I get things done because it's flowing, not because I'm pushing or checking my checkoff list or whatever it is. There is this flow that happens in my life. And that, that's part of the magic of what they're talking about as well. Self-acceptance is where is in self-love, you expand into space. In self-acceptance, you release yourself from the pressure of time. I think this was a hard one for me. It took a lot of time for me to work with the practices around this in particular, because I could begin to love myself and expand into space 
space is the place, right? <laughs> but what self-acceptance does is release you from the pressure of time. So that the classic teaching of shamanism throughout 70,000 years, going back to the Aborigines in Australia, is that they learned how to move outside of time. Now, when I was in the sp space-time cave, when I was initiated into that, I had the experience of I was outside of time. Wherever I put my attention, like a visual literally opened up for me 3,000 years ago. I looked into the future, 250 years. I looked at my wife at home, seeing her in the bedroom doing something. Now, that was amazing. One of the practices is the last one in here, releasing old patterns to fundamentally release your ancestral past and your probable future that makes up your attachment to your civilization patterns. Now they're saying you can move outside of time and space as well. Now I haven't had that quality of clarity of the past and future that I had in that experience because the cave itself, the initiation itself opened that in me as an experience that says, I know that now, it's not something that be nice to know, but, but to live in that and to practice that, that is a work that constantly I have to work with. Mm -hmm. And the practices they give are very specific how to begin to do that. And that our work is for right now is that we need to go back 150 years and see how we've made choices today that came from that period, but also the choices we're making now into the future and how you bring that back. And we start to change the dimensionality of the choices that have put us into this place. Because if we don't, humanity will not survive. They say there's a billion choices every day that people are making. And that to say this or that theory or conspiracy or view or whatever, it's all these billions of choices people are making that will determine whether humanity can make the next step of evolution. Hmm. And so that's part of what we face. Hmm. We've only got a couple minutes left, and I really want to create a context for these teachings and the foundations of the teachings that we are in heading towards a cliff right now as humanity with climate change and all the changes that are happening in the world and the institutions and economy falling apart, and we're moving into some challenging times. So. I'd like to like speak to this in a short time, but in a way that people see why it's so important to practice these things in the energy teachings of the three. My teacher, when I was there in 2012, he, this was in the fall of 2012. And so the big event in December of 2012 was happening and they heard, he and his other Pacos heard 
people, particularly from the United States, talking about this and what does it mean? So he and fellow Pacos came together and they looked into the future and they looked at this time that people were speaking about. And they said, yeah, this is interesting. It's the galactic turning of the wheel and we're moving into another 26,000 year cycle. And yeah, things will be different. But then they looked forward and they said, oh, 2016 is going to be critical. Things are going to begin to break apart both in the United States and all over the world with what is going to happen. Then they looked ahead and they said, oh, 2020 is when the whole world starts to feel the impact of the breakdown, both at a cultural, civilized level and at uh, the environmental level. Then they looked ahead and they said, from 2020 to 2025 is going to be incredible uh, destruction, misplacement, both from governments, from people, from wars, from the environment, and that what people will need to do is be able to have reservoirs of, of life and energy within them so that they can support other people around them. Because you're going to move from you know, where you are now in groups into ultimately at some point, many of you will have to live into living communities in order to survive and thrive because of the breakdown. But the breakdown has to happen so that a breakthrough can begin to emerge. So in that breakdown, if people are opening their energy, opening their capacity to love, releasing these old patterns in whatever way the teachings are coming for them, that will begin to bring in these higher frequency energies that are needed in order for a new being, a new humanity to begin to evolve. Now they said the most critical thing is toward the end of that 20 to 25 year period is the concern that nuclear war could destroy the planet. Now, it doesn't mean that everything ends in 2025. They just said, this is the pressure cooker. And what happens after 2025 will be what, what people will resolve. There will still be this ongoing group of what they call heavy energy. That just as we see billionaires and whatever being able to protect themselves and have these special places they go to, all that will still have some focus, but it won't have the power that it's had because the dest destruction will be so great that people will have to begin to live in a different kind of way. And that it's beyond the 2025 that people who are in their 50s now, in early 60s, can take us through the threshold the potential of that. And I'm hearing all kinds of people around the planet who are beginning to rise up that have these energetic qualities of being able, this one man simply to stand before a group in silence and people, he just looks over them and people are getting healed. This is in Eastern Europe. And so whatever is going to occur it is not to be caught in fear and anxiety. The last section 
the challenges of the end times, gives specific instructions about how we need to begin to practice to overcome fear, to work with people around us that are struggling uh, with all kinds of disruptive views and attitudes and fears, and be able eventually to bring whatever communities of people we are together to help all of us move to a different frequency, to have love begin to open that doorway for us, because that's, that's the doorway through which humanity will either evolve or start over again. Mm, brilliant. So much more we could talk about, David. And it's just a delight to have you. Dr. David Kyle, we've been talking about energy teachings of the three guidance and practices to open your heart and heal your mind. And the book is available in your local bookstore or online. David, thank you for the many decades of work to have a better planet and to communicate and connect with people in a positive way, both in the just living our lives, but also in expanding our connection to spirit and to the forces, the invisible forces. It's just a delight to be with you. Thank you. It's been a wonderful time to be with you and your audience, Michael. Thank you very much. We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.